Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Well, you know what? A beautiful September week. Lots going on in the world. People trying to get adjusted to some rate changes. Market is still, you know, kind of adjusting itself. And uh, I've got some great guests joining me this hour. A little bit later on, I've got Greg Bennell from BNN. He's going to be joining me. We're going to talk about the Bank of Canada, of course, and what he sees the market doing. But right now on the line, I've got my favorite mortgage specialist, Mr. Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage. And welcome back to the show, Dave. Thanks, Todd. Thank you very much. You know, Dave, you and I, uh, you know, throughout throughout the year, we've been talking about the potential increases in the mortgage rates. Not only did the Bank of Canada over the summer, you know, put it up, but they decided to do it one more time. So we've had, uh, you know, basically a half a point increase uh, in the uh, in the bank rate. Um, any any huge problems you see in the coming future with this? I mean, you know, you are front and center with the buyers. Are we are we finding people freaking out, panicking, or are they just kind of absorbing the fact that rates are going to go up a little? You know, it's funny. Uh, you know, there's definitely a little bit of, you know, because rates have obviously been so low for so long, we didn't see a prime rate increase in seven straight years. I think it's a little bit of a sh- an initial shock to people. Um, a lot of times, I just I have an explanation with a lot of my clients, and we talk a lot about how, Back in 2015, the government had kind of given us a free 0.05 reduction. Uh, and I say free, I mean that in Ontario and B.C., we didn't necessarily need that reduction. I think that was more focused towards helping Alberta with the oil crisis that was happening at the end of 2014. So I think, I mean, what we're seeing, I believe, is that the Bank of Canada's made it pretty clear they wanted to get that 0.5 back. So I've talked to a lot of clients about this, and I mean, we're, it looks like we're going back to what the rates were probably in, you know, 2014, early 2015. But I, mean, I don't want to say panic. I want to say it's probably a lot more just shock because the rates have, have moved for so long. Um, but as far as affordability, I mean, it is only a half a point. Uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things, as you and I know, that's really not a lot. Um, but I think it's more the shock that it finally moved. Yeah. So, Dave, question for you. Um, you know, uh, Butler Mortgage, uh, you and your family, you've been around for years. Um, what today, as far as looking at rates, and, and you and I have a lot to talk about, about rates and things like that, but what uh, what is kind of an average five-year fixed rate today that you're finding in the marketplace? Today, your average five-year fixed rate you'll find is probably going to be anywhere from, say, 309 to 319. There might be some old 299 hanging around, not for long. Um, I am hearing that the fixed rates could be going up a little bit again this week. The bonds are, have kind of hit a bit of a high again, uh, so that could mean a little bit of a, a trigger upwards. But you know, my, my outtake on uh, you know this, this old Bank of Canada and increasing prime is that we do only have two meetings left uh, for the end of the year. Uh, one in October, one in December. And those are the only two times the Bank of Canada for the rest of this year can change prime. Uh, the idea is that if you look at past history, uh, historical data and the graphs with regards to when the Bank of Canada does make their moves, very seldom do they make any, any, of, any moves in December. So the reality is if we can probably get through this October uh, Bank of Canada you know, rate, rate meeting without a hike, it's very unlikely I think we would see a hike at the end of the year. Uh, and then, of course, we could, you know, we, we would kind of take a wait-and-see approach as to what's happening in spring. A lot of this is going to have to do with inflation. Uh, when inflation is up, that's kind of like gasoline for the Bank of Canada to be able to, uh, you know, increase the rates to the fire, basically. So when, it, when inflation is fairly average or lower, that means we're not going to see any increase. So we've seen some pretty interesting inflation data coming out. I'm sure we've all seen it. Everyone's saying the economy is in great shape. I think a lot of that has to do potentially with what's going on south of the border and their dollar. That could have some effect on 
uh, making our inflation look a little larger. So the idea and the hope is that the Bank of Canada has gone and got their 0.5 back that they gave us in 2015. And obviously the hope is that we kind of see a bit of a stagnancy, a little bit of a, you know, wait and see approach from them. Yeah, interesting. The when when they say the economy's picked up, you know, they looked at the first half of the year and they said, yeah, you know, it's definitely going to substantiate us pushing the rates. There are some economists right now uh, that are saying, look, at the second half of the year is not going to bode so well um, that you know the numbers may not be as high, which may may make the government take a put a bit of a break on it. As well, some of the some of the government officials are actually looking at it, saying, hey, listen, you know what, we've got to watch our stress test here. What happens if we get too many people renewing? You know, into these higher numbers, and is it going to create too much of a problem? Is there is there much of a of a I guess kind of spectrum or delta that people should be working within? I mean, is there a number that the government could turn around and push it to where you know I'm not talking two or three percent increases. I'm talking you know are they going to be that careful with you know the next couple quarter point increases because you know again we have people with unusually high debt they've probably stretched themselves beyond and are they are they going to be that conscious of it or do you think they're just saying economy's doing great it's okay we'll put the pedal to the metal and then CMHC is going to start collecting on some of their fees yeah, i think it's I, I think there's a there's a bit of a combo there but i mean at the end of the day i think the smarter move is for them to take more of a wait and see approach i mean we've got you know, seven years, no movement upwards, and then we've got two fairly quick increases. Uh, I think the wait-and-see approach is probably best for them in terms of uh, making sure that they don't put the put the housing market into a tailspin. It's a very delicate line that they have to walk on here because they have to make sure that they don't, as you're saying, they don't interrupt, you know, people when their renewals are coming up, and they don't want to... I don't think it's in the government's best interest to debilitate the housing market in its biggest, you know, its biggest provinces. Uh, so I think they're going to take a very delicate approach. But, I, you know, I really do believe that, that the emphasis this year by the Bank of Canada was to get that 0.5 back. And the hope is now we can just kind of see, you know, just a, just a very normal, you know, uh, expectation level as to what they may do. But I, I would say to you this, I think it would be, you know, from my standpoint, if the, if the Bank of Canada was to raise prime again next year by 0.5 or 1%, um, I think that they, you know, that would be a, probably a mistake on their part. I think that's a little too quick, uh, too fast. Right. And, and you know, we've, we, we've heard from a lot of economists just saying that there is a threshold with the current debt level. You know, I think they're floating in around that three and a half to three quarters of a percent uh, in, in mortgage numbers, because, again, so many people got used to that lower number, as you said. You know, it, it's shocking. Even though the number, you know, most people would sit there and say, you know, if you talk to somebody 10 years ago or 15 years ago when they were, you know, working with mortgages in a much, much higher number, you know, a three to three and a half percent uh, interest would be, you know, free money. But because so many people were taking debt in around two and a half percent, that one full percent is is quite substantial. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you and I know this, that, you know, it, when interest rates are low like this, it causes, you know, normal common sense to say, hey, let's get rid of some of our 19 percent debt and put it into two and three percent. And so as rates continue to go down, that mindset continues to pick up steam. Uh, and obviously now we're at these kind of, you know, they call it these record debt levels. I think that has a lot to do with it. So, I mean, regardless with the housing market, I mean, there's certainly a worry 
there that they can't really do too much to put that into a tailspin. But they also, as you're saying, need to take into consideration the debt levels. You know, it's, it's, this is an unprecedented time, I believe. Uh, I don't believe there's been a time in Canada where we had interest rates this low for that long. Uh, so the idea is that people... I don't want to say they're going to pick up bad habits because I actually think it's smart to take a 19% debt and put it into 2 or 3%. Um, but I, I, I think that they have to be a lot more cautious. I mean, we've seen all the numbers. And uh, I think the one thing the Bank of Canada shouldn't really want to do is put us into a tailspin. And, uh, you know, they've been good in not doing that for many, many years and trying to save us. I think they need to take this approach very, very, uh, very slow and uh, very methodical. So, Dave, one last point: um, Are we? Are you seeing more, or are you actually seeing buyers still coming into the marketplace? You know, is there is there some activity in the real estate market? I mean, we hear about you know we're down in volume, prices are still ahead of August 2016. You know, we're still up. You know, we're not in a crash market; we're in a full adjusted market. Yep. But are are you seeing people still out there buying? I'm seeing a lot. I mean. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's funny. I mean, we're we're extremely busy, and I know we've talked about that before. You know, in terms of you know maybe that could be us. I don't. You know, I've talked to some other brokers. I think, you know, at the end of the day, if you're if you're a mortgage broker working with just first time buyers, I'm finding that there has been a bit of a lull. But that's a lull based on what the peak was. You know, earlier this year. I think we have to take into context when people are talking about oh the housing market's slowing down. Well, yeah, it's slowing down from the rocket ship that it was on to Mars for a good year. I don't necessarily know if that means that we're in a regression, um, but I mean, I can tell you that it was to me it was a very busy summer. Um, still closing lots and lots of deals, still seeing lots and lots of new deals, still got lots of investors out there buying homes. If anything, investors, you know, in the face of these rising rates, they've found out that they can actually purchase properties no longer in bidding wars. And we all know that the last thing an investor wants to do is be getting into a bidding war to buy a home. Um, so they're seeing a more balanced market. Uh, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I mean, I think, but, you know, to answer your question, is there still a lot of activity? I'm finding a lot of activity still. Certainly not at the peak at what it was in May of this year, but, you know, for a regular summer, uh, we still had some very, very strong numbers. Yeah, and I think I think if people could just stop measuring the real estate market by June through to May 2017 and actually look at the market itself and, you know, again, as you mentioned, the summer was a decent summer. I think, you know, looking at the prices, even though they, they did come backwards, they're still ahead of year over year. You know, I think the real, the real story will start to unfold for us over the next 6 to 12 months to find out, you know, will the market get a recovery? Are we? Do you think we're going to bounce? like Vancouver? I hope so. I mean, uh, <laughs> that was an interesting time. If we remember that, that announcement, if I'm right, was near the end of the year. You know, and we, we know, you know, there's become, the real estate market has become a little more cyclical over the last 15 years in the sense that people are getting smarter. They're not necessarily wanting to sell their home when it's minus 30 degree weather. They're wanting to have their flowers out and whatnot when they're selling their home so that they, it looks a little better. Um, so the idea there is in Vancouver, when that uh, foreign buyer tax was introduced near the end of the year. So it could have really kick-started a, a, a real lull because they're about to go into a lull period anyways. In Ontario, what we all, you know, you and I found very interesting is they decided to do this right at the kickstart of the spring-summer market, uh, which I thought you, you and I both kind of thought was a little 
um, little little outside as far as what they were, you know, what they should be doing. You know, with that said, is there a bounce back? It's very possible. I just think the comparison of the two, there's some comparisons to be made, but the time period as to when it was done, I think, has to be taken into consideration. Yeah, no, I agree 100 percent because I think I think that Vancouver didn't have to overcome a you know two two rate increases. They didn't have to uh, overcome a 16 point approach as opposed to just one being the foreign buyer tax. And uh, you know it'll be it'll be interesting. So Dave, as usual, a uh, real pleasure having you on. Uh, hopefully, you're going to uh, keep returning and keeping us up to date in the mortgage world. Absolutely, it's my pleasure, Todd. Excellent. Thanks so much, folks. That was Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage. Always a pleasure to have him on the show. Coming up after this, I've got Greg Benell from BNN. So stay with us. We'll be right back. And welcome back. Well, my next guest, you know his name, and he's been a guest quite a few times here at Simply Real Estate. And it is Mr. Greg Benell from BNN. He is, of course, a real estate expert, anchor and reporter, and the host of House Money. And Greg, welcome back to the show. Always a pleasure to be here. So, Greg, you know, you and I, I think it's been, I think it's almost been a month or so since we've uh, chatted last. And what a development. Um, Bank of Canada, not just one increase, two increases within two months. I know after all the warnings, right, that we we kept telling people and everyone kept saying, you're not going to be able to borrow at that rate forever. You you had a sense that people were like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Money's going to be cheap, near free forever. I'm not too worried about it. And then you're exactly right. Two rate hikes back to back in a row, just in the span over the summer. And now we're facing a very different environment in terms of what Canadians, I guess, expectations are about how much it's going to cost for them to carry that home. And then in the middle of that, of course, you got the biggest real estate market in the country, Toronto by average sale prices uh, have fallen into a bear market. Yeah, you know, so so let, let, let's start off with the Bank of Canada first, because I know a lot of our listeners, uh, you know, some some will be concerned about rates because maybe they've, uh, you know, they've maxed themselves out. Uh, others, maybe not so much. You know, they've they've paid enough, they've got enough equity. So, you know, floating, floating a half a point increase if they go to renew. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because most people, you know, aren't aware really of the true cycle of real estate. I mean, you know, a lot of the terms of the mortgages sit at about five years. If people have been, you know, just renewing, or they just got a brand new mortgage. You know, if they got the lower rate, they're you know they're sitting pretty for the next five years. There are those, of course, that have been sitting on the variable mortgages, which we've always encouraged over the time. But now, you know, uh, variables are going to start creeping up as well because of the increase. You know, where where do you see the landscape really changing in the mortgage market? I mean, you know, I think I still think we've got a little bit of leeway for the next few years of people that had renewed in the last year or two. Oh, yeah, when you talk about the Bank of Canada, oh sure, fifty basis points over two back to back meetings is like wow wow, you guys really went for it. But where does that put us? That puts us at a 1% rate from the Bank of Canada, and then the prime rates of the banks over 3%. But still, you're talking about very historically low interest rates. But I think you hit the nail on the head. If you're one of those people who just borrowed right to the limit of your comfort zone and just bet on the fact that money would be cheap forever, you might be in trouble. But uh, we know the vast majority of Canadians who have mortgages actually have those five-year fixed. I have a five-year fixed. I'm about a year and a half into it right now. So although I can look at the landscape and say, maybe when I renew down the road, a little less than four years. I'm not going to get a rate as nice as that, but I'm safe for quite some time. And the people with the floating rates, I mean, you can lock in now. You're not going to get that rate perhaps that you could have gotten a little while ago, but still, if you're, if you're prudent, and we're told that we are as Canadians, although we know there are some people who really ran up their debt levels and maybe they need to take a second look. But for the vast majority of Canadians, you get the sense when you talk to people that they haven't been that crazy. 
and now then there's Toronto. And that's a different story altogether. Because a lot of people <laughs> across Canada wouldn't say Toronto is emblem, uh, show is uh, shows who they are. No, no, exactly. And and you know when we talk when we talk about household debt, you know we talk about I, I always classify it you know several ways. First and foremost, you've got your mortgage. Normally, it's your biggest debt load. Fortunately, with the low interest rates, it's been able to keep a lot of people you know I, I would say above water. And then of course you've got the people that have the lines of credit and you know some people are using their homes a little bit as a ATM and so now we're starting to see obviously with the rate change we're gonna watch our lines of credit get a little bit more expensive and then of course there is the credit card debt and so you know I think I think when you put it all together anybody carrying any substantial debt you know they're gonna feel it a little but you know you just mentioned something and I thought I'd touch on it is the fact that you know you've got the next three and a half years to pay off your mortgage and by the time you hit your renewal point your mortgage technically if you've just used a standard 25-year amortization should be dropped by about 15 percent of the the you know uh, value of the mortgage when you when you first took it a year and a half ago so I think that people have to be conscious also is that upon renewal three and a half years from now you should be refinancing a lower debt yeah, no, you definitely you should be if you're prudent in a better financial situation in terms of you know checking your assets against your liabilities, how much money you still have to pay. Uh, some people will opt to accelerate their payments. I've always been a big fan of that. But I think when you talked about the HELOCs, those home equity lines of credit, that's where the housing bearers will point to and say, we, we know what the overall number is, but are we really clear on the fact of uh, how uh, risky it's been for some of those borrowers? Because uh, when you take a look in the past, we'll say, well, we got this record household debt, but of course, uh, servicing costs have been low, so there's not a lot to worry about. But some of the big Bay Street economists, including Benjamin Tallow or CRBC, says, okay, the rates are still historically low, but look at the amount of debt we've taken on. We've never taken on debt like this before as households in this nation. That's where the bit of the concern comes in, if you're really stretched to the margin. We know the average number is about a buck sixty-seven, a buck seventy for every one dollar of disposable income. You have that in debt. We've never been that high before. Think about averages, though. They, they hide a lot. There's a lot of Canadians who have no debt at all. And they're listening to us right now saying, well, I don't have any mortgage debt, I don't have any credit card debt, card debt. I'm in good shape. But there's some people who've got $4.50 of debt for every $1 of disposable income. How big of a threat are they? I think that's what people worry about. Do they sort of uh, tip things in a bad direction for us? Right. So, you know, this week the government released a thing uh, mentioning that uh, they are looking at the stress test mm-hmm. of, of what's going on right now. Because, again, you know, the Trudeau government, uh, just after the first increase by the Bank of Canada, actually put up a little bit of a red flag saying, hang on, you know, we're not, we're not supporting this. We're not behind this. We think that you might be creating a problem. So, sure enough, last week we turn around, we see another increase. And so, you know, is, is the Bank of Canada, do they, do they have to be listening? Listening to the uh, to the you know the federal government, or is it that they're they're just seeing you know they're hearing the reports the Canadian economy is doing better, um, you know what is really driving the the increase and are we going to see another one this year? Well, the Bank of Canada definitely should be independent of any kind of political masters. I mean that's the way they're supposed to operate. Uh, a lot of people think that they've really laid, laid the groundwork for another rate hike this year. We need a really big economic shock. Remember the second quarter GDP number of four and a half percent? Yeah, it was on the back of the consumer. The entire recovery since the Great Recession. 
possession has been on the, largely on the back of the consumer in this country, but that's a pretty big number. So when you talk about taking back that 50 basis points, really, and I, I use the word taking back uh, for a good reason, those were the cuts that we got in 2015 because of the crash in crude and the Bank of Canada said, whoa, this is really going to hit the economy, and it did. They were right on that front. They caught us off guard when they made that first cut. So all you're taking back now is they call that insurance against the crash in crude. The insurance has been taken away because the crash in crude, we've adjusted to it as an economy. We're not back to where we were, but we sort of you know, figured it out. We got growth growing again. So you don't need emergency rates. But you said, that's the big question. Do they do it one more time this year? Uh, right now, the market's uh, betting, the economists are betting that they do. They're on that path. But then consider this. This has been a very long, slow recovery from the last recession. It's not been gangbusters at all. But recessions are cyclical. Another one will come again. The Bank of Canada needs some dry powder in their corner. You can't start looking at negative rates. I mean, you can, theoretically, <laughs> but <laughs> most central bankers don't want to be there. Yeah, I hear you. So listen, Greg, I'm going to ask for you to stay put. We, uh, I, I want to talk about the Toronto market. Obviously, we've been watching a, uh, an incredible summer. So, folks, when we come back, I've got Greg Bennell from BNN, and uh, we'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my guest right now is Mr. Greg Bennell from BNN. Of course, Greg is a real estate expert, anchor and reporter, and the host of House Money. And Greg, just before the break, you and I were talking about interest rates. You know, we've seen a bit of an uptick where we're a little bit concerned. You know, there's got to be a little bit of concern for people, you know, right now. Did they, have they overextended themselves? Will these rate increases hurt them? But one of the things that I think you and I've got such a front row seat is to the adjustment of the Toronto GTA real estate market this summer. You know, I've been talking about it. We were watching some numbers drop. You know, some people want to call it, you know, almost, you know, reminiscent of a, of a crash. But, you know, I'm in complete contradiction to that because I don't believe we're in a crash position. But yet we've watched a huge slide from the peak of, uh, of April. I think what we're missing in terms of people saying, you take that average sale price and things just got crazy in the, in the winter and the spring. We're down 20% from that, so it is fair to say, okay, we're on an average sale price basis in Toronto. We've entered a bear market. But at the same time, what we're missing, that ingredient that would really be a, a crash situation, is uh, unemployment. The, the economy is actually doing quite well. The job creation is quite strong. The immigration inflows to the city are, are still there. So there's still some actually demographic fundamentals there that are keeping us from a poor showing. Because I, I actually have been convinced by a lot of people that if you want to talk about a collapse of the real estate industry, the most important ingredient you can have, not the only one, but probably the most important one is, is joblessness. Because Canadians right. don't want to lose their homes. I don't want to lose my home. I'm going to do everything I can do to pay that mortgage and keep myself and my family in my home. I would only ever see myself in a scenario where that could be in jeopardy if I didn't have income and my wife didn't have income. But right now, we've seen the employment picture quite strong. So while we've definitely had a very big change in attitude in Toronto, definitely seen a big pullback in the average sale price, that catastrophic uh, conclusion that a lot of people want to come to, it always seems like it's Americans when I'm talking to them who are betting against <laughs> our banks. Because sure. I don't want to see a catastrophic <laughs> conclusion for the housing market that I live in. Uh, it's, it's not there. People still have jobs. They're still making money. You know, interesting point, though, was that um, when we take a look at the overall market, year over year, the numbers in August, you were we still looked at a year over year increase from 2016 of August of 3% on an average, which means that we have not gone below a year over year return. So in other words, we haven't eaten up 
all the built up mm-hmm. equity. Now, the other thing is, is that, you know, if we if we reflect back to the US cor- correction of their market, not only did they eat up one year worth of equity increase over a period of time, they actually ate up over three to four years. So if we were to, I would say, go back to the market va- evaluation of these properties back to around 2014, 2015, then I think we could start looking at mo- that we're in more of the real estate crash market versus you know, because, you know, it's only the most interesting thing I think I I have found, you know, sitting on the sidelines for the last 24 months uh, with this market run up is that people stopped measuring uh, it year over year, quarter over quarter, even month over month. I mean, we got to the point, if you remember, you and I had this conversation back in March, we were almost talking daily yeah. about <laughs> about the market. Oh, and the market, you know, you know, we're, we're, we're up, you know, 1.1% today over yesterday. And, and like, it was almost almost like a daily reporting but you know real estate in itself has always been more looked at from a from an annual perspective oh, yeah, it's a long-term game especially if you're buying for the right reasons then it's a long-term game most people when they buy a house don't say I'm flipping this in a year of course there are speculators out there and then a lot of people have made convincing arguments as to that's why things got so crazy in Toronto because people said money is cheap look at the return I get in real estate it's beating the stock market's beating anywhere else I'm gonna buy homes I'm gonna flip and there was definitely that activity happening but if you just move into a home for a place to live, barring some sort of big life change, whether it's a negative one or a positive one, you get a great job in some other market, you have to move, you're there for a while. The house I'm in right now, I unless someone uh, wants to give me a lot of money to move to some other part of the world and be a millionaire, I'm probably going to spend the rest of my life in that house. And that's just the long-term plans. You just keep paying down that mortgage and keep going. I think it's only the people who really get caught out if they, at the height of the frenzy, they didn't care about anything. They put everything they had into that one house with the short-term bet that they could flip it in six months to a year. Those people got some problems. Yeah. And I think for you and I, I mean, when the numbers come come forward uh, for us, I think that January 20 2018 through to April uh, 2018 is really really where you and I can get out our calculators and say massive adjustment but again if we if we flip it back to the overall market we had a you know a three four month run-up that was just uncharacteristic and out of control and yet you know, right now, again, we're staying uh, staying slightly ahead of the year over year. And I think September will probably almost get rid of most of the gains, but it'll still be on par. And then it's really, you know, d- has, has the all the effects of the market really taken hold. I think October and November will start to t- tell us a better story. Yeah, I think the one other thing to watch for right now, and of course, the rising rate environment is one thing, but the, the banking regulator is not done with us yet either. Remember, they bought in those stringent stress tests if you had to get right. the insured mortgage put down less than 20%. So yeah, you, you, we'll let you walk out with a 2.6 now. We're going to test you at 4.6. Right. Four. Just to see if you could carry a higher rate. That was only if you had to get the insured mortgage. Now, Ossie's talking about making that across the board, which would add to financial stability. Because if you're actually testing someone at 200 basis points higher, it's not a bad thing for the economy, but it will cut people's purchasing power by about 18%. So that would have some effect on the market too. Um, most people I'm talking to are saying it will be the markets where affordability is stretched the most. Toronto and Vancouver. Montreal has been running hot. They don't think when you have an average home price of 370k, they can yeah. still handle being tested at, at a higher rate. Sure. So if we if we talk about the Toronto market though, is that you know we we've obviously seen the pure volume fall out of the market. You know we are in a, I would say a correction marketplace. Would the government still you know deem it 
necessary to put that stress test in if the, you know, the overall wind is out of the sails? You know, uh, we don't know if we're going to have a bounce like Vancouver. And, you know, I'd love to hear your, your opinion if you think that we're going to bounce back like Vancouver. I just don't think that Vancouver had nearly, you know, the obstacles that uh, that the Ontario market does because, you know, you had the wind government just not only did you throw in the foreign buyer tax, but you threw in a whole lot of other, you know, uh, things that can actually slow down the market. And then on top of that, we've had two increases in, you know, the lending rate in the same time period where, again, Vancouver was able to recover, but not with any of those obstacles. I think it's probably a good argument to be made that if Toronto finds its footing and starts coming back, it's probably going to be the same way that Vancouver has found uh, the footing that it has, and it's in condos. Because when you're talking about the average like single-family home being so far out of reach of the average income family, your last place left is the condo market. We know the condo market's been pretty hot in Vancouver. We're obviously building a lot in Toronto. But it is a funny thing when I think about the Toronto condo market, because it was only four or five years ago, and we were building a lot of condos, and we still are in Toronto. People said this this is the cause of our demise. This is where it all falls apart. They're building these towers in the sky and no one's going to live in them. And now it's really the only place that a lot of people can afford to live in these cities. Yeah, and that's that's a great point. Uh, one of, you know, we've had a few um, a few people from some of the top real estate companies on. Um, and what what I think, um, you know, I get a take from, you know, I had uh, Mike uh, Chesahoski on from uh, CBRE a little while ago. And he said, look, the truth is, is that, you know, we, we are building condos, but the problem problem is is that we are our number of condos we're going to be building in the next few years is going to start going down as well building permits you know we've got the government being fairly strict when government hasn't really busted that open yet so again eventually our inventory is going to start to drop off again which might force the prices back up again yeah you definitely can't rule out a uh, return of madness because that's the thing in the end the market psychology right and that's what the rules were about too i don't think uh, prospective buyers understood all those 16 rules and exactly what it would mean for their purchase to this they just went whoa the government just did something i think they changed the game i'm going to stand on the sidelines for a bit and then if uh, if a frenzy takes hold again although it was like it's hard to find anyone other than the flipper who thought what was happening earlier this year in toronto was healthy it's not healthy yeah. even for the local economy even you, you talk to political figures and they say we want to attract talent to these cities to vancouver to toronto and uh, they look at the price of housing and they say whoa i can make as much money or more in this city or this city or that city and get a house for a quarter of that price so why do i want to come to your city yeah yeah, no, excellent. Listen, Greg, it is always a pleasure to have you on. I love your insight, and uh, thanks so much for joining us today on Simply Real Estate. Always great to be here. Excellent, thanks. So, folks, that was uh, Greg Bunnell. He is host of BNN's House Money. Make sure you tune in. Great show, and he's also an anchor and reporter. Hey, listen, coming up after the break, uh, I'm going to be rerunning one of my interviews with the past present and future. No, we're not talking about uh, a Christmas story here or the Grinch. We're talking about ARIA, the Ontario Real Estate Association. My guests are uh, just a fabulous meeting with these gentlemen, and I thought that maybe I should could uh, share it with everybody again. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. Uh, always great to have Greg Bunnell on with me, and always such a pleasure. Uh, you know what? Just a just a just a, a great great conversation always with Greg. He sees the market. I think probably uh, at the top of top level, and it's always great how he analyzes things. Um, you know, 
as I mentioned just before the break, um, I've got a segment that uh, that I wanted to to also rerun because sometimes you know you just have one of those ones that you just want everybody to be able to uh, embrace, understand, and of course it was my interview with the uh, past, present, and future uh, presidents of the Ontario Real Estate Association, and uh, here it is. I just want to share it with you one more time. Instead of talking just about rules and regulations. Uh, kind of like a round table, kind of sit down, chew the fat, and talk about stories about what has happened to them in the past. So I've got Ray Ferris, Tori Cardarelli, and President-elect David Reed joining me right now. Gentlemen, thanks so much for uh, for joining us. Thanks for having hey, us. Hey, Todd, back. thank you. When we talk about uh, some of the stories in real estate, nobody really realizes that realtors have so much inside information. You know, as a realtor, you know, one of the, one of the things I found, because, you know, some people, as, as most people know, they'll work a farm area, but you start knowing everything about the neighborhood and you start finding out about all the affairs and divorces and all those things. I, you know, it, it's amazing. It's sort of like people, people would turn around and say, oh, that house is going up for sale. Oh, they must be getting the divorce or, oh yeah, he got a big job promotion or they lost, you know, you start finding out all this kind of fun stuff. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure each and every one of you have some stories that you can relate to and maybe share with us. Of course, we're going to change the name were to protect the innocent. But, um, you know, uh, Tori, you and I were talking a little bit earlier, and I, 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 I laughed because I've been there. Uh, well, I think it was probably the weirdest one that I had, was I happened to be showing a house uh, late afternoon one summer, a very nice house on the inside, kind of cottagey style, but in, in the city area. And uh, there's a great big note on the counter uh, basically giving the realtor instructions on how to turn the oven on and uh, and get the dinner prepared for the seller. Uh, well, of course, I'm, I'm in shock at this point because it's not my listing, first of all. I don't know these people. And secondly, as far as I know, I'm the only showing there that afternoon. So as far as I know, I don't want to be blamed for <laughs> burning the house down. So, of course, being good... Realtor, in my view, I, I didn't turn the oven on and I left. And within a matter of a couple of hours back at the office, uh, we didn't have quite the same technology we had today. I get a call uh, directly from the seller who was very upset that uh, I didn't turn the oven on so that her dinner could be ready for her by the time she got home. <laughs> Interesting. Gentlemen, anybody else want to throw in one? I've talked about this in the past with Ian uh, and probably with you on your show as well, Todd. And that was the time that I went to do a final viewing a day before closing uh, with one of my buyers. And when he got out of his car, he got out of his car with a hamper full of laundry, dirty laundry. <laughs> and I asked him, I said, what are you doing with that hamper full of laundry? And he said, well, this transaction's closing tomorrow. I'm here to do a final viewing to make sure that everything's in good working order. I'm going to do a load of laundry while I'm here. And he literally was bringing in his dirty laundry and was going to try it out in the washer and dryer. And that probably had to be the strangest thing that ever happened to me. So, David, you're up in the cottage country, so your your, your situations may be a little bit different. Anybody take, let's say they want to take the boat for a spin? Yeah. <laughs> I do have an interesting story. It's funny now with all the different ways that we market and get our leads and, and trying to get business. I remember one time I was I was traveling into Toronto, my son had to have some surgery and our family were heading down. I get a phone call. This guy's rather irate. He says, why is your for sale sign on my yard? 
And I had to think. I said, I'm, I'm not sure where exactly are you. So he told me. I said, oh, I'm sorry, because where we are, we have some, in the wintertime, something, this particular property was down a laneway, and they didn't plow all the way. So it was sort of a little court sort of area. So I had to put a sign there. So at realtors, you know where to come. Come here, sure. and there's a little path. Yeah. So where I put that sign happened to be on this gentleman's property. And when I, when I explained to him, I said, I, I'm sorry. I said, I'm away right now, but I'll, I'll come back. I'll get that sign off your property. He said, then he kind of calmed down a bit. He says, oh, well, which property was it for? So I told him. I said, it's sold now. I said, it just sold um, on the Friday. This was Monday. And he said, oh, well, what would you get for it? I said, well, we, we did well. It was close to list. And he said, what do you think you get for mine? <laughs> so I kept the sign there, sold his a month later. No. So that was a great way to uh, hey, Wow, that, there's a the house. Yeah. 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 In one of my situations, I, uh, I used to do a lot of the power sales in Mississauga. Remember there were for yes. a few years, there was a lot that we used yes, to pop up, right? And, yep. and, and, and I happened to be one of the, the, the choice agents to get them all. Well, in you, the you were the guy that causes the problem with all our buyers who call us and say, give me a good deal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it for the bank, and there was a tenant that existed, and they turned around, and so the property sold. The tenant decided was had to had to move out, couldn't be owner-occupied, and what ended up happening, so the new owners turn around, and they close that day. I get this panic phone call. They said, Todd, where's the toilet? Uh, where's the furnace? Where's the air conditioning? <laughs> the tenant took everything out. So the people moved in. There was no furnace, no toilets, no uh, no uh, uh, air conditioner. They took it all out. So the tenant sat there and said, you're kicking me out of my rental property. I'm taking everything with me. And they didn't own it. So then big court oh. case. They have to go after everybody. But here, here you go. Young couple moving into the new house. They go say, oh, I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Gone. Wow. The so, beauty wow. of power is a sale, right? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so that would be the after call that I got from the appraiser about an hour later, no disrespect intended to the appraisers, asking me about a property. Uh, it was a Friday afternoon, probably end of June that particular year, uh, asking me for some comments on the property. And I said, well, why are you calling? The property closed at 1 o'clock. I know. I just didn't get around to doing it. <laughs> <laughs> The interesting thing is, is that, you know, we just faced a, a crazy market, you know, I, and I've talked to each one of you and, you know, it's been a very active market, but I don't know if everybody remembers, you know, what the you know, 80s, 90s and early 2000s were really like, you know, they were, it was a little bit more civil, you know, there was the, you know, back and forth, the banter, um, you know, I don't, I, I'm pretty sure all of you were, were around when you had to have six copies of the offer, you couldn't fax, you couldn't email because email <coughs> didn't really exist. Do you remember those days? And, and everybody used to say, you know, oh, realtors, if you're going to be a realtor, you're going to be out until midnight. Well, if we didn't have to sign so much paper. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. wouldn't be out at midnight. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You, you were, and they had to be identical that. as well yeah. under, under Ontario law. That was one of the ironies. Uh, they had to be six. They had to be identical. The initials all had to match or those copies were no good. And it was just a totally different uh, experience altogether. But the one good thing was in most markets, again, some of the big cities might be an exception, but as most markets... We knew each other. Mm -hmm. We yep. knew each other as practitioners, so we had a different type of a relationship. It 
wasn't a hit and run kind of a situation, and we would have professional courtesy towards each other, which frankly we've lost a little bit over the years. But that was yeah. a, a special thing. And 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 again, listen, I, I I'm not going to put anybody on the spot, but you know, I, I I like what you said. We've lost some of that, and you know, years ago, I always thought that everybody when they saw realtors, you know, they really they felt, you know, they felt a little bit more proud. People looked at them with a you know better light in their eyes. You know, Ray, when you first started, you know, when you became a realtor, you know, there was there was more respect level. Now, it seems with just the sheer volume of realtors, it's you are this and a realtor. Um, do, you, do you feel that we can bring it back? Can we, can we, can we make, make, turn that corner? You know what? We're optimistic that we can. We're working very hard at Aria, as we talked about in the last show that we did, about enhancing the professionalism of realtors and making this a proud business to be a part of again. And I, I'm confident that we can do that. Yeah, I mean, listen. There's there's a lot of fabulous realtors out there, and they they haven't they haven't lost their 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 stuff. I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm in a room here with you know three people that represent strength knowledge, you know, um, you know, definitely not the kind of people that are ever going to steer a client wrong. I mean, you know, that, that to me as a realtor, you know, when we talk about professional realtors, this is, you know, you, you, you guys ooze it, um, you know, and this is, this is important. People, people have to feel safe in a transaction. And I think that that's why so much has been in the headlines lately, you know, that people are saying, oh, well, this and this and this. And it's like, no, but you know, when you deal with the good guys, you really do. And I can think of an example that happened to me in my own practice this week. And we've heard these terrible stories in the media about people not including home inspections in their agreements of purchase and sale. And this particular week, I was representing a buyer in a transaction and we were going into mul multiple offer situations, competing offers. And the buyer said, you know, if I include a home inspection condition in this offer, I'm afraid I'm going to lose the property. What if the other offer doesn't have conditions? And I encouraged the buyer to include a home inspection condition. I said, you know, you're going in here blindly about the structural, electrical, and mechanical integrity of this property if you don't include a home inspection condition. So he did include a home inspection condition, and the market is changing where we're now starting to see conditions in offers, yep. whereas a couple months ago we didn't. He was successful in purchasing the property, and when the home inspection was completed, this was a rural property. The septic system was malfunctioning. A $25,000 big ticket item. Wow. That if the buyer didn't take our advice and include that home inspection condition, would have had a terrible surprise on closing day. Sure. So, you know... That, that's a good story of the, you know, the relevance of using a realtor in a real estate yeah. transaction. You know, it's important to, to acknowledge the fact that particularly now where the majority of our members have been in the business for an extremely long time because of the, the population curve being what it is, that the majority of our people, most of our people, are exceptionally good practitioners, mm -hmm. and they tend to be that. They wouldn't be in the business 25, 30, even 40 years if that wasn't the case. Um, so, you know, we all end up in situations where we're not familiar with. You don't have to be in the country necessarily to be unfamiliar with a particular thing. You, you might have something in your own neighborhood you never uh, have done before. And we've all been in situations where we've had to call a colleague or ask someone else and say, listen, I've, I've never seen this clause before or this uh, particular page of the form. Can you give me some advice? So part of the responsibility is the onus is back on you, but part of the responsibility is to be able to say, let me seek help, whether it's my broker, whether it's my colleague, whether it's the guy beside me, might even be somebody from a competing brokerage that you're friends with. We all do that. So that's part of the thing of being professional. It's not just about reading the books and going to the courses. Sure. 
Excellent. Well, gentlemen, listen, thanks so much for joining me today. It was a great pleasure. Always great having you on the show. Wonderful visit with the past, present, and future uh, president of ARIA, Ray Ferris, Atori Cardarelli, and David Reed. I'd also like to thank my uh, my guests uh, this hour, Mr. Greg Bennell from BNN and Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage. Always fabulous to talk to these gentlemen. They're great to go to and get some real good information for you. I want to thank my producer, Ian Grant. He's always making it simple. Hey, folks, and remember, you can always reach me at thesimpleinvestor.com. We're going to be planning our next seminar, so make sure you log in. Let us know that you'd be interested. We've got some new releases coming up this fall. Going to make it real exciting. And, of course, I want to thank you for tuning in, and I'll be back next Saturday at 3 p.m. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.